0: Welcome to Speaking of Psychology, a biweekly podcast from the American Psychological Association. I'm your host, Caitlin Luna. The topic for this episode is psychologically healthy workplaces. We spend a significant portion of our lives at work and feeling miserable on the job can be detrimental to our mental and physical health and productivity. A work environment that is psychologically healthy is one that focuses on employees' health and well-being and the bottom line. To explain more about what makes a workplace psychologically healthy, our guests for this episode are Dr. David Ballard, who leads APA's Office of Applied Psychology, and Bryce Vion, President and CEO of Autosoft, one of the winners of our 2019 Psychologically Healthy Workplace Awards. Autosoft, based in Northwest Pennsylvania, is an auto dealer management system provider. Welcome, David Ballard and Mr. Vian.
1: Thanks, Caitlin. Hey, thanks. Great to be here.
0: First off, Dr. Ballard, can you explain what it means to be a psychologically healthy workplace? Sure. Uh,
2: being a psychologically healthy workplace really just means paying attention to employee well-being and organizational performance and working toward the best outcomes possible for all of the people involved. So that means employees, the organization, um, shareholders or owners of the organization, and even the community that an organization is embedded in. And, and there's not one single way of doing this. There's not a one size it's all approach, it really is about taking comprehensive steps to create this kind of healthy and productive environment. And the types of things we see in organizations um, fall into some general categories, employee involvement, growth and development opportunities, uh, health and safety initiatives, work-life balance and flexibility, employee recognition, and then good, effective two-way communication in an organization. Um, and in an environment like that, where a psychologically healthy workplace is created, it helps employees and the organization thrive
0: yeah how so um
2: well it it creates a supportive environment so that those benefits and perks that that come into play help employees be at their best when they're on the job so that they can manage the competing demands in their lives Uh, they feel recognized and rewarded for their contributions to the organization and, and really be engaged in in the work that they're contributing to the organization to move it forward and advance its mission
0: And do you think, by and large, organizations understand what it means to be psychologically healthy?
2: I think increasingly, they do, uh, but there's a lot of variability. Some organizations are really far ahead, and they've been doing this for years, and others are just starting to get on board. Um, Overall, we've seen employers move from a really narrow focus on physical health um, to to more of a wellness approach, and, and now, increasingly, a focus on well-being, so really looking at the whole person in the work environment. So they're not just focusing on health risk reduction and cost savings anymore. They're, they're really looking at the, the full value that, that these efforts can contribute to the organization and to the employees who work there. Um, a lot of organizations know it's the right thing to do. They mm-hmm. want to take care right. of employees and create a good environment. Yeah. Um, but, but employers also get that this is smart business. These mm-hmm. this, this are good business decisions. Um, and, and therefore, the more they understand the importance of it, um, we have to do a better job of getting out information about how you actually actually accomplish this. So more employers understand it, but they don't necessarily know how to do it.
0: And this also helps employees with employee retention. This helps productivity. You know, I think that's one of those things that maybe an employer, do you think they think, okay, if I'm letting people use time to exercise, are they being productive? But research shows that it does help. It does boost productivity. And when people feel connected, right, to you know, people feel like they're supported. They feel more connected to their work.
2: Yeah, e- even in that example that you gave, there's research that shows that even when employees take time out of their workday to exercise, they more than make up for that time and they gain productivity uh, throughout the day when they do that. So, yeah, o- overall, the, these kinds of efforts benefit employees. They benefit the organization. You know, on the employee front, it, it contributes to higher levels of job satisfaction, better physical and mental health. Their morale is better in a workplace. They're more motivated and they're better able to manage the stress that they face day to day on the job. Uh, But on the employer side, there are a lot of benefits as well. So yes, it can help reduce problematic things like absenteeism and Mm -hmm. turnover, uh, presenteeism where people are physically on the job, but they're not performing up to their full potential because they're burned out or sick. Um, But more importantly, it improves performance and productivity. It can improve product and service quality, customer service and satisfaction ratings, um, reduce accidents and injuries. It can help an employer become an employer of choice. And that's really critical because if you can attract and retain the best quality workers, that gives you a competitive advantage in the marketplace.
0: And you do interviews in the media all the time about this very topic. And you've said that company culture matters the most so how do those perks and incentives fit in with the larger culture
2: yeah that that's a very important point because it's not just about the the perks or the benefits or the policies or programs that an employer puts in place Uh, those values have to get instilled in the actual culture of the organization i mean employees are smart they know when when an organization doesn't mean it and they're putting something in place to squeeze more productivity out of them Um, and they know when employees don't really Employers don't really care uh, about their well-being. So it it has to get embedded in the culture, and the organization has to walk the talk. You can't just say that you care about it and slap some programs in place. Mm -hmm. Uh, The psychosocial work environment is really critical, and this is why psychology is important in the workplace, because those organizational level factors, the way work is designed and carried out in organizations, makes a huge difference. Um, Having supportive supervisors, uh, the level of trust that exists, in an organization, whether employees feel valued for their contributions, whether they are positive interpersonal relationships um, and, and civility in the interactions that occur there, and whether employees are engaged in meaningful work where they feel connected to the mission of the organization and they understand their role in helping to advance that.
0: Why do you think there's been this shift? I mean, what do you do you think this these all these wellness programs or you know and, uh, perks and things like that? Um, why do you think it's so important today? Do you do we see this in the workplace? Yeah. 30, 40 years ago?
2: Well, a lot of these efforts have existed for a long time, but but they had a much narrower focus. So Mm -hmm. I think it's coming from multiple angles. I I think employers are increasingly coming to understand that creating a psychologically healthy workplace um, is good for employees and is good for business, too. I think there's a shift in expectation uh, among workers who are entering the workforce that they expect to have more flexibility and to juggle the competing things they have in life. They expect to have a job where they feel like they're contributing to something bigger than themselves. Um, And then even in public opinion, a lot more of this is talked about openly. So if if an employer is not taking these steps, employees will go elsewhere. They'll they'll go seek out jobs Mm -hmm. somewhere else that they see as a better work environment.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What does APA look for in award winners for the Psychologically Healthy Workplace Awards?
2: Well, the the process for our award evaluation is actually quite rigorous. So it's not just a vanity workplace award where you talk about how great you are in a short essay. And if it sounds nice, we give you an award. (laughs) You know, as psychologists, we're held to a different standard. So we we really want to bring our research to bear and our assessment skills in psychology to to evaluate these applicant organizations. So there's a multi-step process that involves collecting qualitative and quantitative information from the organization organizations. We conduct online employee surveys uh, of the applicants. We hear from employees themselves. Um, And one of the unique things about the program is we actually go out and do site visits. So we tour Mm -hmm. the facility, we meet with the organization's leaders um, and do focus groups with employees um, and and look for a convergence of data and, and from all of those sources to identify organizations that are doing this well. So, uh, we, we look for organizations that understand the importance of creating a psychologically healthy workplace and how that connects to employee well-being and mm. the success and performance of the organization. Um, and we look for organizations that are taking steps in all of those major areas I mentioned earlier, employee involvement and growth and development and so on. Um, and we also look for positive outcomes on the employee front and for the organization. So, we want to see that this is actually accomplishing something in the organizations. Um, and then finally, we look for an ongoing commitment from organizations that creating a psychologically healthy workplace, it isn't an end state. It's an ongoing mm-hmm. process that even companies that are doing great, uh, can, can always work to improve things and the environment changes. So it's something you have to stay on top of and continue to make mm-hmm. strides to make it even better moving forward.
0: Okay. Well, let's turn over to Autostoft for a few. Um, Mr. Vian, congratulations. Uh, your company's had a good turnaround story that happened the past few years. Can you talk about what happened?
1: Sure. Yeah. When I came uh, to autosoft full time, uh, cause I, it's a family business, but uh, I stepped out for a while. And when I came back, I, you know, I had a vision that I wanted to take the company in a new direction because we were building new products and he needed to move up market in our, our, uh, industry. And when I came back, I saw, uh, a, a culture that was missing. Um, there wasn't mm-hmm. a, a management style that really fit with how I wanted to run things. And I always had a, a, a value in, you know, the mixture of, you know, feeling like, um, there's a, a, uh, a purpose in the work and, uh, big goals, but also just having some trust and, and some, uh, you know, really excitement about the work that we do. And, uh, when I came back, we didn't have that here. We had a lot of people who, um, you know, didn't understand whether they were doing a good job or not. We didn't have, um, you know, reviews or one on ones. Uh, So it actually, when I first came back, it took a lot of time to build some trust Mm -hmm. because when I started to put in these new programs, even though these were positive programs, the first reaction was just skepticism and maybe it was something new and it was change. So that's where some of this started off and it took us years to get to uh, where we are today.
0: Yeah. How did you get past that? Those trust challenges you just mentioned.
1: Uh, really just open communications, um, laying out uh, a plan that they never really understood before, or didn't have mm-hmm. a lot of visibility or ownership to before. Um, you know, they, they, uh, a lot of the employees, you know, didn't feel like they had the autonomy or the, the, uh, power to make decisions or help make, uh, you know, plans or put, put new, uh, projects in place or, uh, accomplish new things, uh, that would help the company. So it really opened up a lot of trust and two-way communication uh, across the company.
0: And can you now talk about how what your company's culture is like today, and what benefits you provide employees? Um, I know that wellness programs are popular with AutoSoft.
1: Yeah, no, we we probably have too many programs in some <laughs> ways. Uh, we, we do a lot, and uh, you know, I think it's just you know, as we saw some of the success out of these programs, as we put them in place, I think we've, we're always trying to, you know, look ahead, you know, it's an, it's an ever evolving thing and, and, and the business is always changing and the needs of the people are always changing and the demographics are changing all the time. So we're always trying to make sure we have the right fit to the right. People, the culture, and the business needs, and, the, and, the, um, you know, and what we need out of the business as far as performance goes. And so it's a balance all the time, but uh, we do all kinds of programs, uh, both physical and mental, um, and just even just some of the way we interact here uh, you know, has a lot to, to do with um, you know, having a healthy environment.
0: Yeah, okay, I want to talk about a couple of specific things you have going on. Um, what's their, your You've Been Caught initiative?
1: Uh, the, you've been caught is, uh, it's kind of a peer based, um, program where, you know, it really rewards people for, uh, you know, giving some recognition to people for making the right choices in their life, whether it be healthy choices, you know, maybe they, um, you know, brought a healthy lunch or, you know, we're, we're, doing well on, um, sticking to, you know, their diet or encouraging others to adopt healthy ways, um, things like that. So it's almost, you know, you could walk by and you could see somebody taking a piece of candy or something and say, ah, you've been caught, you know, and, and it's just <laughs> kind of, uh, you know, it's like drop and do 10 pushups. And, you know, there's a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little bit of a, a family feel of like, you know, Hey, we're going to help each other, um, do better.
0: And how is that, uh, how is that caught on with your, <laughs> Pun intended. Uh, it's with your group. On,
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's caught on really well. Um, we've actually sort of evolved that program now. Um, we've we've included we call it the token award program. So it now involves um, a little wider peer based uh, program that includes some uh, monetary and gift rewards for um, achieving goals, uh, personal goals, and things like that.
0: Mm-hmm. And you also have something called a take 10 station which I found found interesting where employees can take a break from their work to de-stress and they can do fun things like put together a puzzle or color or make a paper airplane. Um you talk about how that's helped your employees during the day?
1: Yeah like I we have these stations throughout the the buildings and on the different floors and um you know really I see employees that maybe they're waiting for a, a a meeting to get into a meeting and they're kind of gathered around one of the tables and they're kind of chit-chatting and, and talking to each other get to know each other but also at the same time you know they're doing a puzzle together or they're they're just uh doing a a project together that's kind of relaxing and sometimes I think it eases their mind a little bit before they go into a, a meeting that might be mm-hmm. a little stressful or a little tense and uh, helps get them you know, to relax and get to know each other a little bit.
0: Yeah, and how does that help with employees just getting to know each other a little bit in a more of a casual way, not just in a meeting environment or in the hallways, like doing something kind of fun together and definitely totally unrelated to your to their work?
1: Yeah, there's just a yeah, there's I mean that camaraderie is is important. I think there's also the trust factor, you know, just understanding each other and just understanding that we're all working towards the same things as a team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that comes from interactions that are both in the business and doing the right things in the business together um, and, and treating each other fairly and helping each other. But also outside, we have a lot of uh, programs or, you know, a lot of events that we do outside, even like, you know, happy hours and bowling and different things that we get people together. And they, they are a diverse group, so we don't always get to work together directly. So mm-hmm. when we get outside the office, it gives us a chance to get to know each other and a little bit about our family or what we like, what we don't like, and uh, helps us work better together so we can focus on some strengths and weaknesses.
0: And when you were going through the change when you took over, did you find that the importance of um, being transparent and sharing what was going on with your employees was helpful? Because I often know that information helps ease anxiety when people, you know, when you have a restructuring and you have change. Um, What was helpful for you?
1: Uh, I think it was helpful to lay out the plan and the course and how mm-hmm. we were going to get to the destination we were headed for. And I think, as a privately owned company, smaller, you know, small to mid sized company, you know, we actually share probably more than some of the, the public companies do with their employees mm-hmm. as far as, you know, financial um, information, um, financial goals, um, product goals um, departmental and personal goals. Um, you know, we go through, um, a lot of, uh, you know, goal setting, um, exercises and out of that, you know, comes a lot of the transparency of, of, uh, what we're all trying to get done. Mm-hmm. And it starts to make sure we're all, um, working together towards the same things and, and, uh, just builds out a lot of transparency in, in the, and trust in the, in the company.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you mentioned, you know, the previous days to now, you said that there were no annual reviews and now you even go above and beyond that and you have monthly reviews. So how has that helped your employees and what changes have you seen?
1: Yeah, it's a, it's part of that same very open, transparent, you know, communication and very direct. I mean, I'm I'm personally very direct with people, so I'm not afraid to hold back or tell them what I really think or tell them the truth. And I think some of that from the top down, you know, starts to starts to become part of the culture or the expectation that hey, if you feel a certain way or you don't agree with something or you do, mm-hmm. like being, you know, being transparent and open is, is a good thing to have. It helps us, you know, get things done faster and, and make decisions faster. And I think that, you know, having the, um, having the one-on-ones, uh, at one point we actually had one-on-ones weekly mm-hmm. and some departments would do, you know, just a just a quick 20 minute one-on-one with their, each of their employees and, and uh, just to get a feel for how they're doing and what, how they're feeling. And, you know, is this a time to maybe shift some of your work so that you can like clear your mind a little bit or maybe get a little refresh? Um, you know, sometimes, you know, change is good. And, uh, and then others would do, you know, biweekly or monthly. Um, we're actually evolving that this year. Uh, like I say, I think it's I think it's important to constantly uh, evolve things. And I think we're moving to more of a, you know, still a bi-weekly to monthly one-on-ones, mm-hmm. so you get the real-time feedback and very direct. Yeah. Uh, but we also are moving to maybe uh, uh, once or twice a year more thorough reviews, so that we really understand, you know, what we need to work on and where we're doing well.
0: Right. Do your employees feel empowered to manage up, meaning they feel comfortable providing feedback to their managers or to company leadership?
1: I, I in, not in all cases. To be honest, I think that we have some room to improve there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, we need to do better at some of our 360 reviews and some of the openness, um, you know, in in both directions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that there. It just depends on the department or the group of people, the individuals, and the relationship with their managers.
0: Right. And that's something, as you, David mentioned, or Dr. Baylor mentioned in the beginning, is is the importance of always evolving. So that's something Autosoft is doing in that regard.
1: Yep. Yeah. All the time.
0: Yeah. And so, you're a smaller company, and obviously we hear often about all the amazing perks a company like Google or Facebook can provide employees. Um, so, but with a smaller company like yours, what advice do you have for other CEOs in that realm? Because obviously we can always look to these big behemoth examples as like the pinnacle of, of um, employee wellness and incentive programs. But obviously we all can't provide those same things for a smaller company like yours. So um, what do, what advice do you have? I would
1: say start off small. That's how mm-hmm. we started. And, and a lot of it's really about the, the employee experience. Mm-hmm. And you'd be amazed at... You know things like the open feedback and and the um, little things like. Company T-shirts or branded T-shirts or little prizes for doing a, a good job, and some rec- little bit of recognition goes a long way. Um, I'd say just some of the small things to start out. I mean, that's the easiest way to get started, and from there it builds and builds, and you'll kind of fit. You know, you'll kind of figure out where where things fit the best and what gives you the most benefit from both the company side and the employee side, and uh, eventually you'll be like us and have lots of programs. So.
0: Mm-hmm. So I want to get both of your opinions on the importance of two things. The first is employee development and pipelines to advancement. And the other is employee recognition. Dr. start I'll start with you. Overall, how crucial are those two elements to creating a psychologically healthy workplace?
2: Well, th- those are two areas that, in general, there's a lot of room for improvement. Mm-hmm. We, we do surveys of the U.S. workforce a- every year to look at uh, issues that are top of mind and uh, employee attitudes and experiences on the job. And uh, one of the things we find is only about half of U.S. workers say they're satisfied with the growth and development opportunities that, that they have available to them on the job. Mm-hmm. Um, lack of opportunity for advancement and growth in an organization also year after year is the number two top uh, source of stress that U.S. workers cite. So it's Mm -hmm. something that's getting in the way of their work performance. So there's lots of opportunity to improve there. Similarly, only fifty-eight percent of U.S. workers say they feel valued by their employer, and that's mm-hmm. a striking figure. When I think just over half of U.S. workers say they even feel valued for what they're what they're contributing on the job. And from our research, we know that feeling valued is linked to higher levels of job satisfaction, mm-hmm. higher levels of motivation, um, and the likelihood that people are actually going to participate in wellness programs, and training activities, and involvement initiatives. So it, it's not just isolated. Uh, to reward and recognition programs, this spills over into employee performance across the board. So these are big deals for employers.
0: And so we're talking about recognition. Do you think in some cases recognition is more important than than pay?
2: Recognition in organizations uh, really consists of both monetary and non-monetary forms. Uh, it can be formal or informal. So, you know, certainly pay pay is always an issue. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in our surveys, we find that that's the number one source of stress is right. low pay that people mm-hmm. cite. But it's one of those issues that when when it's insufficient or seen as unfair, it's a huge problem. And all the other perks and you yeah. know award programs and certificates and award ceremonies aren't going to make up uh, for that if people feel like they're unfairly compensated or Mm -hmm. that it's not enough. Um, But once you reach a certain point, it doesn't add value, once people feel like it's sufficient. um, So those other things really come into play. um, And and it can be a simple thank you from a colleague or a supervisor for a job well done and and feeling like your work was actually appreciated. And and there's something in the psychology research that um, is called effort-reward imbalance. And Mm -hmm. And so if people feel like what they're putting into their job and their work is out of whack with how they're being uh, recognized and compensated uh, along the way, then that creates additional problems in a workplace.
0: Yeah, that's very fascinating. How it might not necessarily always be be so tied. Um, and so, with with employee development and pipelines, is that something you're seeing more in the workplace today? That the companies are coming up with these long range plans for people. I,
2: I, people are thinking about it a lot more. Yeah. Certainly, uh, you know, the the rate of change is increasing. The environment is changing all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, if organizations want to keep up and be competitive in, in uh, an increasingly global marketplace mm-hmm. um, and, and more rapid changes, then they have to prepare their workforce to be able to cope with the stress that they face, to be able to handle change and be resilient. Um, so I think a lot of organizations are, are thinking ahead and understanding that they need to do this, but there's a lot more work to be done.
0: Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Vian, turning over to you, how have those two areas helped your company? That's uh, employee development and pipelines and recognition.
1: Yeah, I think the pipeline is is uh, the, the things that we've done with uh, developing a career pipeline and pathways uh, has really helped us separate those that uh, have uh, potential from those who maybe either aren't a- best fit for the company or the future of the company and make decisions on uh, whether or not we can help people uh, maximize their potential in mm-hmm. their career here or beyond or decide that you know maybe their their career has a better path um, outside AutoSoft. so those are some tough decisions that you know some some of our managers have to make or help us make um, but that's that's part of the reality of making sure we have the right fit the right culture the right mm-hmm. people um, and as far as the recognition goes, Um recognition has I would say out of the surveys we do internally and and all the uh award programs that we participate in, the recognition is one of the top things that employees respond to and and appreciate. Uh they feel valued, they feel like a a part of uh something big Mm -hmm. and like their their really efforts are are well received and appreciated and and vis you know, vis basically uh uh, seen by all, um, including you know upper management and and myself. Um, and I'd say one of the most difficult things I'm seeing uh, for us as we're evolving and hiring more remote workers is how do you make the remote workers more of a, uh, a part of the integral part right. of the culture and the rest of the people? And how do you give them the recognition as a remote employee and make them feel the same as the people that are here?
0: Yeah, that's a great point you make, uh, Mr. Vianne, about remote employees. So turning over to Dr. Ballard, how do you engage employees when they're not actually working in, in an office space, if they're working remotely.
2: Yeah, this, this is an important area, and one that uh, th- there's not been a lot of work done. And in fact, in most organizations, uh, managers are still working the same way they did in the Industrial Revolution, <laughs> like, yeah. like people are standing <laughs> in an assembly line, cranking yeah. out widgets, when that's not most of the work that's getting done nowadays. Right. Uh, but unfortunately, most managers are never trained in how to manage a remote workforce. And mm-hmm. so that, that's an area where there's a a lot more room for development. Now, there is research being done, and there is work happening. Unfortunately, it's not translating yet to a majority of workplaces. but increasingly, we have access to the technology tools that mm-hmm. we need to be able to actually involve and include people who may be working in remote locations, uh, teams who, who aren't necessarily even in the same physical location at all. Um, we have tools that can facilitate that online through video conferencing and mm-hmm. chat functions. And uh, so it's a matter of figuring out how to effectively use those tools so that you don't lose the types of interactions that you have in a face-to-face work environment. So there's a lot, there's a lot of work happening in that area but it's a huge need for most employers. Um, And to this point, most managers still haven't even been trained in how to do that effectively.
0: Mm -hmm. And uh, one one other question for you, Dr. Ballard. Um, I'm sure many listeners out there have worked someplace that was not psychologically healthy. Um, You talk about how damaging that is for morale and what does that stress do to our mental and physical health?
2: Yeah, we've we've all probably worked in an environment where you know we get up in the morning and we we dread going in, and you know no matter what job you're in, uh, you know everybody has bad days. But but there are a lot of environments, unfortunately, where uh, it's just unpleasant to be in. Your day to day experience on the job is bad, mm-hmm. um, and stress is a normal part of life. It's a natural reaction that it's designed to help kick us in gear and deal with whatever challenge or threats in front of us. Um, but the reality is that. As humans, we are not designed to withstand that day after day after Mm -hmm. day that that's supposed to be ramp up, deal with the threat Mm -hmm. and then get back to your baseline and go about your business. So when that chronic stress persists, it, it. puts a lot of wear and tear on on your body and your mm-hmm. brain. And it can start interfering with your physical health, your mental health. Um, it can interfere with interpersonal relationships. Uh, your job performance can suffer. And so if this kind of chronic stress persists from, from a negative work environment, um, then it, it can actually affect people's job performance mm-hmm. so that they not only uh, they, they don't feel competent on the job, but, but they're actually not doing their best work. So it, it's really a Shared responsibility between employees and employers to to create this environment where people can bring their best to the job and employers are creating an environment that's conducive to them being engaged and having a positive work experience.
0: And I imagine the signs of that happening are probably high turnover or... Low morale, productivity, that sort of thing. Is that yeah, the case? You, you,
2: you see on the organizational side, you see higher levels of absenteeism mm-hmm. and turnover. Uh, you see performance and productivity dropping. You may see more conflict or incivility in a workplace. Um, people disengaging and and not really giving it their all. Um, on the business side of things, you, you might see profitability sliding, mm-hmm. uh, output starting to drop, customer service ratings uh, dipping. Uh, things that all could be signs of something bigger is going on under the surface.
0: Yeah, so you, but you wanna, I guess I'm sure for a company, they want to address it before it gets to that point because that's already, you're seeing the effects of people not being happy. Not even just happy, but just being miserable on the job.
2: Yeah, cre- creating this psychologically healthy environment it is an overall approach. And if you strive to do that in a general sense, then when, when things are tough, and the mm-hmm. recession was a great example of this, um, if you've already been doing this, then you're better equipped to handle that, and your employees mm-hmm. are too. So um, even organizations that were very psychologically healthy, who were doing all the right things, uh, the recession hit, and that mm-hmm. was that was an example of, these are forces bigger than the organization. Yeah. So even good organizations got hit pretty hard and sometimes had to make cuts or layoffs or change things that, that weren't necessarily positive but those who had paid attention to creating a psychologically healthy environment up to that point handled it better. So it's Mm -hmm. not only what they're doing, it's how they're going about it. So employees in those circumstances felt like um, they were in it together. The employer was being open and transparent with them, involving them in problem solving about how they were going to cope with it. And in fact, organizations that were really forward thinking at the time used it as an opportunity to position themselves to be even more successful when the economy turned around. So Mm -hmm. that's a really concrete example, but you don't want to wait until there's a crisis to start right, course, addressing yeah. some of these issues because once once trust is broken, mm-hmm. once there's negativity in the workplace, that's hard to dig out from and yeah, it lasts a long time and it takes a lot of consistency um, in the future to make up for that. So it's much, much easier to create it to begin with and then use that to help you weather the storms. Yeah.
0: But I guess it's not hopeless if a, in a company or an organization is having that experience where... They're like, you know, managers are looking at this. Whoa, we've got to make some changes. But but yeah, you said it e- takes a long time to. Yeah, every organization yeah.
2: goes through tough times, and uh, there, there's lots of change happening in organizations. A survey we did a couple of years ago uh, about half the U.S. workforce said they were currently going through major organizational changes or had just gone through them, um, and that's stressful. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. so times are going to change. There will be ups and downs. But thinking bigger picture about how do we create this healthy environment that's going to support workers, support the business. It, it, is going to lead to an environment where everybody can win in the long run.
0: Do you think this is an exciting time to be an employee? I guess it's kind of a funny way to say that, but I guess I just mean like, is it a time where employees feel empowered about the kind of work they're choosing and they feel like their employers will create better environments for them?
2: Yeah, I I think this is one that it depends a lot on the company. I Mm -hmm. think in really high performing organizations that understand this psychologically healthy workplace concept and are taking those kinds of steps, you know, employees do feel like they have a voice. They do feel like they're involved in decisions that affect them on the job. They have sufficient autonomy and control and Mm -hmm. flexibility in their life that that many people didn't have in the past. And so those are great things. um, But overall in the U.S. workforce, that's not necessarily the case. You know, in our surveys of U.S. workers, although about two thirds uh, of working Americans said that their organization is open with them and communicates with them regularly. Um, Only just over half said the organization actually asks them for feedback Mm -hmm. regularly. And only about four out of 10 say the organization actually listens to their feedback and uses it to make changes. So Mm -hmm. I I think these these successful organizations are, are doing it better and better. But on average in the U.S. workforce, we have a lot of room for growth.
0: Mm-hmm. And I want to touch on another survey that, that your office did. Um, so now we're only a few months from summer. So that means vacation time. So last year, APA issued a work and well-being survey that found that taking time off helped employees recharge, but those benefits faded after only a few days for most people. How can employers make sure that vacation time is actually beneficial? And, and also what tips do you have for employees to make sure that recharging feeling lasts beyond a couple of days Yeah
2: I'm sure, I'm sure most of us have had the experience where you know we, we take some time off and whether it's a staycation or whether you go somewhere uh, somewhere exciting, you, you come back to work and there's the mountain of things waiting for you that have piled up while you were away. And so all that relaxation is out the window <laughs> the second you go in and you're actually more stressed than you were before you left yeah. because you're behind and everything is due, deadlines are waiting and, and uh, you know, it's worse than it was before. and you hear people all the time say, um, you know, this is what I get for taking time off. Yeah, of <laughs> um, course. And so unfortunately we know from the research that, that when that happens, when there's a backlog and people come back to, to that kind of heavier demand, the, the bigger that is, the faster those benefits of taking time off fade mm-hmm. away. So yeah, there's some things that uh, employees and employers can do. And again, this is one of those shared responsibility issues um, to, to try to make those last longer. I mean, it's in the best interest of employees and the company to, to try to make the most gains from people having time off so on the employee side of things, uh, when they're off, they need to make sure they're getting the adequate stress recovery experiences. Mm -hmm. And from psychology research, we know to recover from stress and prevent burnout, you need to have time when you're not working, when you're not thinking about work, even if you're not at work, but you're getting pinged with messages and you're constantly ruminating about your deadlines coming Mm -hmm. up when you get back. That prevents you from actually recovering from stress. Mm -hmm. Um, You need to engage actively in some relaxation uh, activities, whatever that is for you. It may Mm -hmm. be laying on a beach. It may be reading a book. It may be doing yoga or meditation. Whatever it is that relaxes you, um, you need to engage in that. Mm -hmm. Um, You also need to stay connected and involved in some other interesting, challenging uh, activities that aren't work-related, something Mm -hmm. that stimulates you beyond just work. Um, And then finally, you need to get enough good quality sleep. And that's an issue. Sometimes you you pack so much into a vacation that you're exhausted when you come back and you say, I need (laughs) a vacation for my vacation, right? Um, So those are things that during the vacation experience employees need to do in order Mm -hmm. to recharge and come back at at their best. Now, the shared responsibility piece, um, and and this requires some planning ahead and Mm -hmm. some work when you get back to the office, and and employees need to do this with their teams and with their employers. Um, One is actually plan ahead. So when you know you're going to be out, um, have a concrete plan. Who's going to handle the things you normally do while you're out of the office? Um, Share your expectations about your availability while you're off. Mm -hmm. Um, Are you gonna check email? If an emergency comes up, should people contact Mm -hmm. you? That way there's not uh, misunderstanding with people feeling like they don't want to bother you or knowing that you are going to check it and and not feeling like you're on call 24 7 while you're taking that time off. Um, That also helps encouraging teams to schedule vacations in advance so that uh, too many people aren't out right when a big deadline is looming. And that coordination across Mm -hmm. the work unit is important. Organizations need to develop supervisors as well so that they're tracking employees' vacation time and use of that. Uh, They're encouraging and supporting employees mm-hmm. uh, in taking that time off so that employees feel like they can actually right, take time off important. and it won't be viewed negatively. Mm-hmm. Um, and then training supervisors to better understand work stress so that they can identify it if they're seeing it in their employees and direct them toward resources or strategies to help manage that stress effectively. Um, Cross-training workers on your team is another great mm-hmm. one. So if you have somebody out, there's somebody else who actually has the skill set to be able to pick up that work temporarily yeah. while the other person's out. Um, on the on the back end of vacations, easing back in is really important. And mm-hmm. I mentioned coming back to that mountain. Um, if if you can ease yourself back into work, so maybe maybe the first day that someone is back, um, they're they're doing uh, they're working remotely or telecommuting, or maybe they're uh, they're blocking out time on their schedule to. Mm-hmm catch up on the hundreds of emails that are piled up. So they don't walk in the door and have 10 people at their office waiting for them and and the expectation that they do it all Mm -hmm. immediately. So try, try to ease it back in and dig out rather than getting overwhelmed um, immediately. And then I think the, the final, the big picture issue is looking at the culture in an organization. So mm-hmm. in, in most companies, you're not gonna have somebody actually saying, well, you shouldn't take time off and you know, I'm gonna penalize you or look badly on, on you if you're, if you're actually using your vacation time. That, that doesn't usually happen. But what does happen a lot of times is, you know what's being communicated indirectly in an organization? Right. Are, are you holding so up as an example uh, of the perfect employee, the, the worker who never takes time off, yeah. or who responds to emails you know at midnight on Saturdays? And if you're saying this is the gold star employee, <laughs> yeah. then indirectly you're communicating to your workforce that it's bad to take time off, and that you should be on call 24-7. Mm-hmm. So even if those are not explicit expectations that are laid out, Look at, look at how things are being modeled by leaders, Mm. look at what's being reinforced. And if it's reinforcing things that are negative or not what you intend, um, clarify those expectations and adjust that. So I think those bigger cultural issues are really important too.
0: So, one final question. Where can people go to learn about the Psychologically Healthy Workplace Awards and also about the Office of Applied Psychology? Uh,
2: people can go online to apa.org applied psychology, and there's information about the Psychologically Healthy Workplace Awards available there.
0: Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Ballard and Mr. Viana. It's been a really fascinating conversation.
2: Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
0: If you've been a longtime listener or are new to our podcast, please consider giving us a rating in iTunes. And if you have time, write a review. We'd really appreciate it. Also, we'd like to hear from you directly, so if you have any questions, comments, or ideas to share, you can email me at kluna at apa.org. That's K-L-U-N-A at apa.org. Speaking of psychology is part of the APA Podcast Network, which includes the podcast APA Journals Dialogue about new psychological research and progress notes about the practice of psychology. You can find all our podcasts on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also visit speakingofpsychology.org to listen to more episodes and to see resources on the topics we discuss. I'm Caitlin Luna with the American Psychological Association.